we have only scratched the surface of our broken heroes in the Bible. Do you guys realize that? It's not like I, I cherry-picked a few heroes in the Bible that had, had some flaws and that, that everyone else in the Bible is, is perfect and has nothing wrong with them. Every single hero of the Bible is broken in some form or fashion. Why? Because they're humans, just like you and me. Let, let's start off, I went through the Bible and I just, I picked out some of the most well-known heroes of the Bible and just labeled a little bit of their brokenness on the side. Like We start with Adam and Eve here. They were in perfection with God, and yet they rebelled against him and were kicked out of the garden, and all of, all of mankind was affected by their brokenness. Um, yet, yet they were like the first people to be created. It's not like um, God made them and was surprised by their brokenness even. God wasn't surprised that they sinned. He, he knew it was coming, and yet he still said, I'm going I'm to use you guys. Yeah, I mean, you can just read through that list of all the different heroes, and, and this is just, this is scratching the surface. Like there, If you look at all of the different characters in the Bible, every single one of them struggled with something. Go to the next slide. I mean, working our way through the Old Testament and then into the New Testament, some of the big names, like this is Samson, and he, he was dominated by lust in his life. And yet God used him whenever he decided, okay, I'm going to obey what God has for me. Uh, I mean, you work your way all the way down to Paul. Like Paul wrote like 70% of the New Testament. Right? Paul, this, this um, cornerstone of the faith that we all look up to and we're like, man, man, I can never be like Paul. Well, guess what? Paul started off murdering Christians, right? Like Paul started off persecuting Jesus, the very one that he would then follow with all of his heart, soul, mind, and strength. But he began his life by murdering the very people that, that called Christ their Savior. And Paul was, was broken beyond belief, and, and yet this is what Paul says here. Listen to this. 1 Timothy 1, 15. He says, this is a trustworthy saying, and everyone should accept it. That Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, and I am the worst of them all. This is Paul talking. <coughs> this is after Paul became a Christian. This is after Paul had done tons of ministry. This is like towards the end of Paul's life, and Paul is saying, look, man, I am the worst of sinners. I mean, we look at, at these heroes of the Bible and we're like, man, I can never be like them because I have all this, this brokenness, I have all this weakness in my life. The heroes of the Bible were just men and women, boys and girls, that decided to trust God with their brokenness. And instead of just wallowing in the, the shame and in the defeat of their brokenness, they decided, okay, you know what? I'm just going to trust God with this, and I'm going to, I'm going to pursue holiness. I'm going to pursue uh, you know, changing all of the, the ways, but I'm not going to do it in my own strength. I'm going to do it in God's strength. All of these guys had in common the same thing. They were just imperfect sinners who were saved by grace. These were not a bunch of perfect people uh, that, that were just uh, head and shoulders above everyone else. They were not trying to perform for Jesus. They weren't like, okay, I'm just going to be good enough. I mean, there's, there's really two ways of, of doing life in this world. It's either living 
based on our performances or it's living based on grace? What does living based on our performances look like? Well, I'll make up for my sin. I know I've sinned a lot, but I, I can make up for it. I can do enough good things. I'll make up for it. I'll make up for my brokenness. I know I have these broken places in my life, but you know what? I'm, I'm going to make up for it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do better. I'm going to be, be better. I'll make up for my weaknesses. I'm going to work out more. I'm going to you know, practice my craft more. I'm going to make up for these weaknesses so that people won't look at me and see weakness, but they'll see strength. Man, that is exhausting. And that is not what God has called us to. Do you guys ever feel like in order to be loved, that you have to be better? You have to be more? You have to do more? Do you feel like other people's and, and even God's opinion of you is based on your performance? Man, that is, that is an exhausting way to live. What is it like trying to earn God's affection? What is it like trying to earn God's favor? What is it like trying to earn God's approval over us? What is it like living on the, the performance plan, trying to be good enough, trying to make up for our sin, for our brokenness? Well, it reminds me of a video that I saw this week. It is a, a highly stressful video for those of you guys who might be prone to anxiety. I promise you the guy doesn't die. But check this out. This is exactly what, what it feels like trying to be good enough, trying to earn our way into God's approval. Check this out. Are you ready for... Run, run. Yes. Three, two, one, go. Run, 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 run.
Yikes. Yikes. Is that, well, is that not like anxiety producing? I've seen that movie like, or that clip 10 times. It still gives me anxiety. The question is, how many of you guys feel that way about life? Like you're just barely hanging on. Like at any second, you might have to let go. Like if, if I don't perform up to a certain level, if I don't do good enough in my sports or in my, my classroom, or if I don't do good enough at home, or if, I don't, if I'm not good enough for, for my friends, I just, I don't know if I can hang on anymore. It's just overwhelming me. And I remember going off to college, and everyone says it's this grand experience, and it's great, but um, it is terribly hard. And so I remember um, at 18, 19 years old, going off to college, and I came home one weekend, and I sat down on my couch with, with my mom. She was sitting there, and she just asked me one simple question. She said, Kaylin, how's it going? And I don't know where it came from, but I started boohooing all over the place. <laughs> I just, it's okay. I don't, I don't know where it came from. Like, it was deep inside of my soul, because I didn't expect to come home and cry. I was just like, oh, I'll come home for a visit. But she just asked me out of the blue, hey, how's it going? And the emotion that came out of me, I cried for like 45 minutes. I, I don't know how to stop myself from, from crying in that moment. But it wasn't because life was super easy. It was because... Life was overwhelming. I felt like at any moment, if I just, I might have to let go. It's just hard. If you guys are feeling that way, then, then what is the answer? Like, what is the answer to us trying to do more and to be more and to earn the approval of others, earn the approval of God? What is the answer to that? Because that, that is obviously not going to work for the rest of our lives, right? If we go that route, if we go the performance route, then we are living like that guy hanging on to the hang glider. Like, we're just, just barely hanging on. So the answer is grace. You can either live by performance, trying to do more or be more, or you can live by grace. Show me what grace is. Jesus is enough. Jesus is enough. Jesus is enough. It's not about our performance. It's not about uh, how, how good we are or how effective we are. At the very core of, of our identity, if we are in Christ, at the core of our identity is not us being better than other people. At the core of our identity is that I am just a sinner saved by grace. So you don't have to live up to any standard. You don't have to, to live up to, to other people's opinions because your heavenly Father has looked at you and said, I love you and I will cover your sin with my grace. What is it like living in grace? If living in, in uh, the performance plan is like hanging onto a hang ladder but for dear life and at any moment we might let go and die, what is it like living under God's grace? Well, it, it reminds me of 
of this video. Check this out. peaceful that guy is. He's just up there, strapped in, like a merman, just hanging up in the air. He's, he's not having to, to hang on for dear life. No, he's just getting to enjoy the ride. Because he's not having to, to make up for all of his insecurities, all of his failures, all of his doubts. That is what it's like living under the grace of Jesus. It doesn't mean that life is always easy, but it means that in the hardest of times, in the the darkest of times, we can look at ourselves and we can say, you know what, I am not defined by my brokenness. I'm defined by Jesus, and Jesus is enough. None of these broken hearers of the faith change themselves, right? Right? None of them just mustered up enough strength. Like Mo- Moses wasn't standing there before the burning bush and, and saying, okay, I have this, this speech impediment and I can't uh, do this. And Lord, I don't know if I can really lead these people out of, out of Egypt. But you know what? Actually, God, I got this. I don't really need you. I got this. Moses didn't say that at all. No, in fact, Moses said the opposite. He said, uh, God, can you send someone else? Because you got the wrong guy. And God said, hey, Moses. It's not about your performance. It's not about you being good enough. It's about my grace working in you and through you. And so if it's all about Jesus, then today is going to be all about Jesus. You know, we're, we're entering into the Christmas season, right, where, where most of our minds are on uh, decorations and holiday cheer and, and milk and cookies, right? Actually, that's like me 12 months of the year, but... We're excited for Christmas, right? Like, I'm excited for Christmas. I enjoy Christmas time. But it's so easy for me to forget why we're even celebrating this thing in the first place, right? I know it's cliche. I know it's, it's cheesy. But this is all about the birth of Christ, the birth of our Savior. And why is that good news? Well, it's because without Jesus, we are all on the performance plan, Right? We're all trying to be good enough. We're all trying to do more, to to be more, to outwork the competition. That's without Christ. But because Jesus came, then we can walk in his grace. Just like that guy hang gliding peacefully up over those mountains. Because we're not having to manufacture ourselves being better. But our Savior was broken. Now, don't mishear me. Jesus never sinned. He was perfect. But Jesus suffered a whole lot. Jesus felt sorrow. Jesus felt pain. Right? Listen to Isaiah 53, verses 2 to 3. It says, There was nothing beautiful or majestic about his appearance, nothing to attract us to him. He was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows, 
acquainted with the deepest of grief. And we turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised, and we didn't care. Jesus, our Savior, was broken. It says he was acquainted with deep grief. He knew the deepest of grief, the deepest of sorrows. I love this this name that it gives him here. He was a man of sorrows. Our Savior was a man of sorrows. It means that he knew sorrow. He knew pain. He knew how hard life is, right? Jesus, the man of sorrows, was the same one that carried the cross. Like he, he knew what pain was. He knew what hardship was. Jesus knew the deepest of grief, the deepest of, of, of sadness and, and pain. He was the one that died on the cross, right? One of the most excruciating deaths. He gave himself for us. Not so that we could live under performance, not so that we could live to try and be better and do better and trying to earn our salvation, but he gave himself for us. He walked through the deepest of grief, the deepest of sorrow, so that we could receive his free gift of grace. So what painful thing are you going through? What suffering are you going through in your life? What what hardship are you going through? And do you ever feel like no one understands? Like, man, if someone would just understand what I'm going through, if someone just knew what I was going through, if someone knew how hard it was, you ever feel that way? Well, this tells us here that Jesus understands. The one who created you, the one that knows you more intimately than anyone in the entire universe, that one understands your sorrow, understands your pain, understands your brokenness. Hebrews 4.15, it says, And this high priest of ours, Jesus, understands our weaknesses, for he's faced all of the same temptations we do, and yet he did not sin. I love that, that, that our Savior faced every single temptation that you and I could ever face, and yet he overcame them. He, he never sinned. But that means that he, he knows where we're coming from. Like he, he knows what it looks like to face temptation. So why does it matter that, that Jesus understands our weaknesses, that he knows our, our sorrows? Well, it means that we can bring him every ounce of brokenness in our life. We can bring him every weakness, every temptation, every insecurity, every doubt, every fear. We can bring it to him and say, man, I don't understand this, Jesus, but I know that you do, so I'm going to trust you in the midst of this. Because he knew hardship, and yet he overcame it. Verse 4 continues, and yet it was our weaknesses that he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. But he was pierced for our rebellion. He was crushed for our sins. 
He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so that we could be healed. And he was beaten so that we could be whole. He was whipped so that you and I could be healed. Jesus carried our weaknesses so we don't have to. Jesus paid for our sins so that we don't have to. Jesus was broken so that we could be whole, right? And so because Jesus walked this this earth and was perfect, because he walked out all of the things that God had called him to, and he carried all of our, our weaknesses, all of our pains, all of our brokenness with him to the cross, and he paid for it all, that means that we don't have to anymore. And so what, what's the answer to our brokenness? Like, as we wrap up this series, what is the answer to all of our weaknesses, all of our pain, all of our brokenness? Well, the, the answer to all of that is the gospel. And it's the good news of Jesus Christ. <coughs> Excuse me. What, what does that mean for us? Well, that's important because God is a just judge, right? God is a good judge. So say, for example, that I, uh, I go off and murder somebody, right? So I have, I have left my pastoral calling, and I am now a murderer, okay? I go, I, I get caught, and I go before the judge, and I say, Hey, hey, judge, like, I know that I murdered that guy. I know. But right before I murdered him, I walked this old lady across the street, and that was really good of me. Do you not know that? Like, and then before that, I bought this other person coffee. I, I, I paid it forward. Judge, I, I know that that thing was bad, but I've done a lot of good in my life. So, could you just, like, let this slide? That would be an absolutely wicked judge if he was like, uh, you know what, Mr. Howe? You're right. You have done a lot of good, and it's just murder after all. Why don't you go free? That would be, like, the most wicked judge in the world. But God is not a wicked judge. God is a perfect judge. God is a just judge. A just judge would look at me and say, Mr. Hauk, it doesn't matter how much good you've done in your life. You can't make up for this grievous act that you committed. And so you're, you're going to have to pay for, for your crimes. So God looks at every single one of us before we know Christ, and, and he, he's a just judge. There is such a thing as hell. There is such a thing as heaven. God looks at every single one of us before we know Jesus. And we are all deserving of hell because of his justice. You know, people often say, how can a loving God send somebody to hell? Well, it's because he loves us enough to be just. His justice is perfect. His love is perfect. And so in that, when we sin against him, when we 
spit in the face of our creator, the one who has loved us perfectly, when we do that, then God has no choice but to punish. Because we have to pay for our crimes. But the gospel means that Jesus, God himself, became a man, lived a perfect life, and then allowed his creation to spit on him, to to beat him, to whip him, to put him up on a cross. Why? So that God's righteous justice could be fulfilled in Jesus in our place. Jesus was the, the sacrificial lamb. He allowed himself to be sacrificed so that we didn't have to take on the punishment of all of our sins. All of our sins, the Bible says, were laid upon Christ so that we didn't have to carry our, our weaknesses. We didn't have to carry our brokenness. We didn't have to carry all of our sin and insecurities because all of that was laid on Jesus at the cross. And the Bible says, how do we receive that freedom? How do we receive that gift? Well, it's through grace. We are saved by grace through faith, not of our own good deeds, but by grace through faith. And so how, how are we freed up from the punishment of our sin, of our, of our guilt? We receive the good gift of Jesus and say, Jesus, I can't save myself. I can't make up for my brokenness. I can't make up for my sin. So, so Jesus, you're going to have to save me. And when we, when we do that, when we put our, our trust in Christ as our Savior, then his righteousness gets placed on us so that we can then know Jesus forever, be with him forever. And we don't have to bear the penalty of our, of our sin in hell forever. But instead, we get to be in perfection with Christ in heaven for all of eternity. Man, so what is the answer to our brokenness, the answer to our brokenness is Christ and only Christ. It's receiving his gift. You know, we are saved, we are initially saved by believing and trusting in Jesus, by his grace alone, not by our works. Well, then how do we continue on in the Christian life? How do we grow in holiness? How do we grow in in following him and obeying him? Well, the exact same way that we were saved, by grace, through faith, trusting in Jesus instead of our own good works, instead of our our own abilities to make up for it. So if we are in Christ, if you have received God's gift of salvation, if you've been freed from the penalty of your sin, your brokenness, your shame, then the shame that you're carrying, Christ died for that. The weaknesses that you're carrying, Christ carried those to the cross so you don't have to. The brokenness that you're living in, Jesus allowed himself to be broken so that you don't have to live in that. The answer is the gospel. The band can make their way up as we wrap up.
What does that, that practically mean for us? What does it mean that the gospel is our answer? Like that, that sounds great in theory, but what does that practically mean? It, it means that Christ is your only answer. So how do we get to know Christ? How do we get to know the truth of who he is versus who we are? We have to spend time in his word. Like the God of the universe wrote a book so that we could know him. We could know everything about him that we need to know to live this life. So memorize a couple of, of short verses that combat your shame, that combat your brokenness. Like I think of, of Romans 8. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So anytime you have a condemning thought come to your mind, anytime you, you feel shame, you feel like you're not good enough, you can speak to that and say, no, I'm not going to believe that because there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We have to use God's word as a weapon in our life or else we're going to just live in the brokenness that Christ died to set us free from. And Isaiah 53 is what we, we just read. I encourage you guys, read it this week. It is, it is a powerful, powerful passage talking about who your Savior is and all that he's done so that, that we don't have to live in the burden of our shame and of our, our regrets. When you're tempted to feel hopeless, man, you have to turn your mind to Jesus. Sometimes that's harder said than done because those voices are shouting louder than anything else in this world. But you have to fight with all of your being, with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength to fix your mind back on Christ. If that means opening up your Bible and reading out loud a, a passage of Scripture, Romans 8, wherever, until you believe it, then do it. If that means just praying with all of your, your heart and soul, with all of your passion, that you would believe who Jesus is, then do it. Whatever you got to do, don't let those condemning thoughts consume you. If you are in Christ, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. But we have to fight to believe it. Every hero in the Bible was broken. They were all a bunch of imperfect people, imperfect sinners who were saved by God's grace, by God's grace alone, in faith alone. They trusted Jesus in spite of their brokenness. So I want you to pull out your cards and pens as we respond to the Lord this morning. I feel like I don't measure up right now. Whatever it is, just write it down. Where are you feeling hopeless? Where are you feeling overwhelmed by your guilt, by your shame?
don't know Jesus this morning. And that's why God has you here this morning, so that you can come to know him forever. You don't have to live in the the shame of your guilt. You don't have to live under the punishment of your, your sin any longer. You can receive God's gift of grace and salvation. Maybe just write out your prayer to him. God, save me. I can't save myself. Those of you who are in Christ, wherever you're feeling hopeless, wherever you're feeling like you don't measure up, and write out your prayer to the Lord. God, thank you that you are all I need. You are enough. Help me to believe that. Whatever's on your heart, just write it out to him. with our tithes and offerings. We're going to worship together. But let's let's give our hearts over to Christ. Let's worship Him with all of our hearts, all of our souls, all of our minds. Let's engage with God this morning. Because He has each and every one of us in here for a reason, for a purpose. So don't miss out on what He wants to do in your heart over these next few minutes. Jesus, thank you that you are enough. Thank you that you are the answer to all of our problems. You are the answer to all of our shame, all of our sin, all of our insecurities. It's in you and you alone, Lord. God, would you help us to believe that in spite of our brokenness, that you are enough. God, we give ourselves to you. We love you. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's continue to respond together.